0: It's great to have a dishwasher, but sometimes you just want to put on rubber gloves and stick your hands and and then notice that there's corn in the sink that you want to wash down the drain. And no matter how much water you pour in the different places to try and get the stream to move the corn into the hole, it just will not go no matter what. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
1: Hello! Hello! I, I'm going to start by saying thank you for bringing me a birthday card, because if you hadn't, I would have only received two birthday cards this year.
2: You are kidding me. That is an all-time low, surely? It is. I mean, I
1: know that these things tail off as you get older, but two felt especially depressing. Who was the other
2: one from? Three. The postman? <laughs> 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 Please tell me it's a
1: member of your family. One from my mum.
2: Right.
1: And uh, one, one from my wife and son, a joint card.
2: Oh, okay. So you've got three in total. Yeah, with yours. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, feel, yeah. I feel better now. I thought yeah. you just had two and I thought, well, his mum no, no. or his wife hasn't and I'm yeah. worried. Yeah,
1: two is quite depressing, but yeah. I, th- I think three nudges it into the realms yeah. of acceptability. Um, so so th- thank, you for, thank you for doing that for me.
2: That's okay.
1: Um, I did change my settings on Facebook. So that it, you know, you can have your birthday private. Oh, right. A couple of days before I went into my settings and changed it so it's public so that people would wish me happy birthday. Because I could just tell it was going to be a bad year for cards. Right, right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, And it it was a weird one because I woke up on my birthday alone. Sarah and Eugene were travelling back from the United States. So the first portion of the day I was alone. Mm. And um, I had quite a nice time, actually. Okay. I put a Beatles podcast on. Okay. And I learned a nugget of information that I'd never previously heard. Oh. So I was feeling, you know, in an exceptionally good mood after that. And then um, do you you want to know what we did for for my birthday? Go on. We went out for a meal. Mm-hmm. And we went to karaoke, just the two of us.
2: No, oh, that's your dream. That's it, your dream birthday. It really is. Yeah, yeah.
1: And for the last half, because we did two hours of karaoke. Two hours. And for the last, <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a long time. It is a long time. And
1: for the last half hour, Sarah let me only have Beatles songs, on which she, <laughs> she she agreed to sing the lead vocals, so I could do the harmonies.
2: Oh wow! That you, you have married well. i really <laughs> you have. really really married well. Then. Yeah.
1: I don't know how depressing it was or wasn't for the people in the karaoke. What do you mean? You know, the people who, who work there. Oh,
2: I thought you meant, you, I suddenly got really panicky. You went to one of those public ones, where right? If you just uh, hogged the mic for two hours. No, no, it's no. a little, it's a little booth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I
1: think Sarah had wind of this because when, when we got there, she said, Oh, we've got a booth book for four people, but uh, actually our friends aren't turning up. So it's just the two of us. So I wondered if she just thought it looked too sad yes. for us to, I mean, she didn't mention it was my birthday. Oh, I okay. wonder if she thought it looked too sad, uh, uh Eight o'clock on a Saturday night, a bumping, <laughs> a bumping karaoke joint. For like a, a man who is now closer to 50 oh, than to 40 yes. and his wife turning up. So, uh, so so that's what we did. Um, there was one point at which... So I don't know if you listen to this. We get a lot of adrift listeners who are surprised how into karaoke I am Mm-mm. because it seems very non-drifty. Mm-mm. But the thing I always say is it is my favorite by far of all the social interactions because it's loud. You don't have to do much talking, mm. and when you do do stuff, it's on a screen in front of you, so you don't have to think it up. You just sing the lyrics.
2: Yeah, yeah. You don't have to look at anyone really. No, you're just no, looking not, at not the much screen. eye contact. Yeah. so I really
1: love mm. karaoke. But um, if you've ever been in one of these places, they have a button on the wall, and you can press it, and then they'll come in and take your drinks orders. Yeah. So at some point um the young woman who worked there came in maybe to tell us it was last orders we'd only got half an hour left mm. by which time we were well into the beatles section mm. and i opened my eyes because i'd been singing some very heartfelt backing vocals <laughs> to see her there and i felt humiliated oh. like really humiliated i mean that that must be such a strange job mm-hmm. the states you know of uh, that you walk of performance that you walk in on you must just do that job and think all human beings are insane
2: but i wonder how often that she sees someone very intensely doing backing vocals (laughs) (laughs) but just one other person i think probably not that much i think she would have enjoyed that
1: so so anyway so we before we went to the karaoke we went to this restaurant for dinner uh an italian restaurant and sarah and i uh there were two vegetarian pasta mains we ordered them both and sort of had half each ish, mm. but they were big portions, so we couldn't quite finish them. Mm. And Sarah is one of these people who likes to ask for the doggy bag. Now we are conditioned in this country to think asking for the doggy doggy bag is in in some way uncouth, right? We are. Yeah. Whereas I think the Americans are used to it, mm. and there's an argument to say American portion sizes are so huge you have to, so they mm. have to be used to it. Uh, and there's also an uh, uh, um, uh, you know an argument to say that we should be better at in this country because otherwise you're just wasting food. Yeah. So so she asks if she can have what's left of the pasta to take away. Mm. And and the guy kind of looks at her and laughs he says that's not enough to take away. Oh. Well,
2: there's some kind of rule about how much has <laughs> to be left. Yeah, really? How much just so we all know how much was there left.
1: Uh I would Could say you... there were two spoonfuls of each. Oh. <laughs> Not very much. It's not very much
2: Okay, I'm sorry, I'm on the side of the way to there. <laughs> but
1: she's somebody who needs to snack every forty five minutes, uh, so just yeah. to keep her blood sugar. So up. So
2: for her that would be well that's my yeah. snack in forty five minutes, yeah.
1: So she's she she that then got her back up. Right And she said well I'd like to take it anyway <laughs> Okay yeah So he takes the plates away And he brings back a box And I think like he chose this box To humiliate her mm. That she would have to walk out the restaurant holding it yeah. So the first thing is It's this, it's a big enough box to hold an 18 inch pizza <laughs> And it's got two spoons of pasta in it The second thing is I am now going to show you a photo of the box And uh. you can maybe describe it to the listeners <laughs>
2: <gasps> No that's not the box Yes
1: <laughs>
2: So <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone's ever seen Love Island, in particular the last series, and you know who I mean by Adam, it looks like Adam... Is in Love Island with a baseball cap on with his hand on his face and his a hand touching his chest. He some, is topless. I mean, you've neglected sorry, to mention well, that. Well, I thought the Love Island gave that away. But yeah, he's <laughs> topless and in some sort of Italian backdrop with a pizza in front of him. And he's quite, he's sleazy looking. He really is. Yeah. Wow, that was the pizza box. Where did he
1: get that from? <laughs> it's quite something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So my question to you is, do you think that they have chosen that design just to sort of punish you for being cheap and asking for the doggy bag? 100%. Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle <laughs> Port adrift.
0: Ooh, I'm in the stream.
1: I said to Annabelle before we started recording, it's 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 a bit thin gruel this week due to um, a, a chain of events. We're recording the podcast just like an hour before it'll end up being published, so it's all a bit down to the wire. So, I, I've. You know, feel like I'm running on fumes this week, but you said to me the stuff people have sent in is, is really good. Yeah, it's good emails. So we're, week, we're yeah. leaning on the drifters this week. So yep. thank you to you. If you've sent in uh, an email and if you haven't yet, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com.
2: And the first one comes from Alex. A few years ago, I stayed in a nice hotel in Times Square, New York. Paid for someone else. I don't want you to think I'm showing off. We got in late on the first night and wanted to get a New York style pizza delivered for a snack to really dive into the local culture. I called the front desk to ask for a pizza delivery number. After a bit of confusion, they gave me one. We called and ordered one large cheese and one large pepperoni. About an hour and a half later, a man arrived at the hotel room door. He handed me a huge stack of paper plates, an entire pack of napkins and two of the biggest pizzas we'd ever seen. He then asked for nearly $200. What? It turned out the front desks were confused as no one orders a pizza delivery in Times Square. It's surrounded by a dollar a slice pizza outlets. So they gave us the number for their corporate catering company. The two of us (laughs) had pizza meant to serve 40 people. Of course, it was already here and cooked and not wanting to acknowledge the mistake, I handed over $220 (laughs) with the tip. We ate about $5 worth each and promptly fell asleep.
1: I always enjoy anything about being too timid yes. to, uh, to not say, oh, actually, I had the wrong idea about how much that would cost.
2: <laughs> I also can't stop thinking about what they did with the rest of the pizza. Like, they just leave it in the room like, just all night. Like, it makes me feel a bit... I reckon you'd put it in the bathroom, wouldn't you? I'd put it in the bathroom and close the door. Okay, and this one is from Anon. I'm not sure which category this fits into, but I am sure fellow drifters will empathise with my discomfort with this situation, even if they cannot comprehend my actions which caused it. I have previously only told this story to one person, partially due to my embarrassment at the level of stupidity, and partially because it it necess...
1: Go on, you can do it. I can say this word.
2: And partly because it necessitates starting the tale with... Whilst travelling to a Scrabble tournament.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm in, I'm in.
2: I'm in too. When long-term single and looking for avenues into possible interaction with like-minded people, I plucked up courage to attend a tournament arranged by a member of an online Scrabble game I was playing a lot. When travelling to the Scrabble tournament by train, before sat navs on the phones, I had the address and had a printed out map, but due to long roads and lack of street name signs, I got disorientated and wasn't sure I was heading in the right direction. It was getting very close to the start time, so I was starting to fret. A car approached, slowed and pulled up right beside me. I can't really explain my thought process here, But I assumed that it had been sent out to look for me, even though the tournament had not yet started and they did not know I was arriving on foot. And the only way of them knowing what I looked like from a (laughs) thumbnail profile picture on the website. (laughs) Pleased to be rescued, I said hi to the driver and opened the back door and jumped in. The three occupants of the car all said hi and we drove off. So where do you want to go then? The driver laughed. A cold, horrible wave of realisation swept into me (laughs) as I was suddenly aware I had almost definitely not been rescued by an incredibly insightful and generous Scrabble Club buddy. But in fact, jumped into a car with three strange youths who were now enjoying, no, revelling in this odd event. This was confirmed by the General merriment of all in the car, excluding me. I stammered the name of the church hall it was located in and rooted around for the address, avoiding all mention of Scrabble tournaments as I feared this would send their merriment into overdrive. (laughs) They did not ask for the address again, but seemed happy to drive around random streets, laughing and ignoring my occasional attempts at, Oh, you can drop me anywhere. Here is fine. By now, I was in a tailspin of thoughts and possible scenarios, progressing from general ridicule and embarrassment, quickly through to kidnapping and dismemberment by these jolly but slightly scary and overconfident strangers. After what seemed an eternity, but must have only been a maximum five minutes, they pulled over at the exact spot they'd picked me up. I mumbled a thank you and got out of the car to be replaced by their bemused buddy, now standing outside his house, who they had obviously been stopping to pick up in the first place. Relieved to see the car drive off and disappear, I got my bearings and made it to the church hall, only slightly late. I told no one about this horrible mistake until years later, my girlfriend asked me what the stupidest thing I'd ever done was. Drift on and on. Love it. Never told anybody. Oh, and he thanked them. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, I think anything where you are in a situation where you're fearing for your own life and yet still being polite yeah. is perhaps yeah. something we should hear more of. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Jeff
0: Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show
1: called adrift well i am ready for a way in which you're not a fully functioning adult annabelle
2: part 15 Really? <laughs> okay so it's part 15 confrontation part a <laughs> <laughs>
1: 15 a, 15 a. Okay. yeah
2: yeah so my inability to deal with anything approaching awkwardness or unpleasantness regardless of the consequences can be illustrated by a story that takes place in 2011 when i got married now, the marriage didn't last long, unfortunately. When I've met people since that time in my life and they find out I'm divorced, they always say, oh, did you get married really young? And I say, <laughs> yeah, quite young, 36. <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing. But anyway, it's relevant that I was 36 when I got married, not 21, when it's okay to not really be that confident and know what you want. So between the proposal and the wedding, there were 18 months, which is a long time to get everything sorted out. But I left it so late to get a dress that when I finally did go to a few dress shops, they all gasped when I told them my wedding day, a bit theatrically, I thought. (laughs) And then they took me to a special, really small rail of dresses that could be ordered in time. I did like my dress in the end. Terrible waste of money, though. And it actually, it's still hanging in the, my wardrobe, which I think annoys my boyfriend quite a lot. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with it, as I can't sell it because it's too stained. And it feels, <laughs> it feels weird to throw it away. Like, you can't just throw it away, can you? Like, it costs so much money.
1: Why and it, is it so stained? You know, it had
2: a big party, didn't it? <laughs> I was there as well. (laughs) Don't distance myself. You
1: were kind of (laughs) there. Yeah,
2: yeah. Anyway, if anyone wants this dress as an aside, just let me know. I don't know what to do with it. Anyway, the dress was fine. And I should say that. I was never somebody that dreamed of my wedding day. Like, I was too busy daydreaming about being on top of the pops. The closest I got was that there was always someone in my class at primary school every year who was growing their hair long as they were going to be a bridesmaid that summer. And I was really jealous of them for reasons that I'm still not sure of. So when I never had an idea in my head of how I was going to look, I just knew that if you do get married, you're supposed to look the best you've ever looked on your wedding day. I had a hairdresser at the time who I really liked and she was really good. So I asked her if she could do my hair on the wedding day, which she agreed to. And she also mentioned that she had a good friend who did makeup. And would I like her to come along and do my face? Now, I hadn't really thought about this, but I'm terrible at makeup. So I said, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much. I'm not an idiot, though, of course. I booked a trial session with her first to decide on the look and, you know, check she was okay. And I went before work one morning and I told her what I wanted and she did my face and I thought I looked terrible. (laughs) So I did the only thing I could and I said, thank you very much, see you on the 26th. Then I got the train to work and I remember being on this train and trying to rub the blusher off and trying to sort my eyes out because the eye London was really wonky and I was embarrassed about going to work with such bad makeup. But rather than have to tell the makeup lady I didn't like it and my hairdresser that I thought her friend was rubbish, I was going to go to my own wedding looking like this. (laughs) So what I did was this. Nothing. I just accepted my fate. I decided I'd sort my face out after she left on the wedding morning and not look in any way my best on my own wedding day rather than confront the situation and there'd be any awkwardness. And I put my friend Eloise on standby to sort out my eyeliner and that is it. To be fair to the makeup lady, she did actually do a good job on the day. Like maybe she'd seen something in my eyes during the trial and upped her game. Maybe she got new glasses or something. But it it was totally fine, certainly much better than anything I could do. But I realised that even at thirty six, I was a pathetic human being. Although I did get much better at confrontation around the divorce time. I was quite good then.
1: <laughs> but
2: it was very, very much temporary.
0: Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you. Which is saying something about you.
1: Have you mentioned to your lover, Tom, that we require his services for our Patreon subscribers?
2: Oh, I haven't mentioned him. Is this about the tour?
1: The Tour de Snesbruck. Yeah,
2: no, I haven't mentioned it yet. I'll no, I'll leave no, it to no, the no, last no, moment. No, the no,
1: no. Tour de Snersburg, Tour de <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Was oh, that what that's the theme tune, is it? Yeah, it's like the Tour yeah. de France
1: uh, theme tune from 1980, whatever it was. Okay.
2: Yeah. I didn't yeah. recognize it.
1: And have you been giving it a lot of thought where where we're going to go? I
2: have thought of one place. I I know I had to think of more, but I've thought I know they, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh, we'll definitely go there." And then I haven't really
1: thought about it much since. Can we go, you just mentioned your ex-husband there. Can we go to the place where once when you were having a row when he said to you, you, um, if I murdered you, I know where I'd dispose of the body.
2: (laughs) Epping forest. And I'd take your body there on the central line in a bag. (laughs) We didn't have a car. A bag on the central line, uh, what sort
1: of bag. Was he had, visiting? Bin bag. He talk,
2: uh, he had he, the thing that scared me most. There was a lot of detail, and it, and it and and there was no like thinking and speaking. It was like he'd already thought about it, and it was all just coming out. It was really quite weird.
1: Um, but so that's not really I th- close. to I th-
2: No, no. The, oh, the place he was going to bury me. Yeah, no, yeah. no. That was in Epping Forest. Right, right. Yeah, no, no. That that would involve us going on the central line. We could go on
1: the central line on the journey. With the, 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 you could get in a bin bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could see. What we could do is, we could, as an experiment, we could see whether his his plan was yeah. as, as bulletproof as he thought it was. Yeah, because
2: the, the shovel was in the bag as well. Like, so like, I, I, I was never sure of myself that it would work. No, but, no. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, you know, I don't really go in for those true crime mm. shows that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine that you would draw a lot of attention to yourself <laughs> traveling with a bag that contained a human, a human, and a shovel. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, I, I think the documentary about that would be kind of boring. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like, what? I'm never going to get away with that.
1: No, I think maybe there'd be the transport police would be waiting for him. I think so. Yeah. So anyway, mm. um, well, we won't we won't be going there. But no. uh, you you are starting to draw up a mental map of where we're going to go on this video.
2: I've got I've got like the culmination and the big peak. Okay. Sorted. I just need to do like, the other stuff as well. Yeah.
1: Oh, I think I know where it is. Oh, really? Is it the scene of an altercation? No
2: oh can we go there yeah what altercation
1: i'm thinking of your altercation that you talked about i forget on which episode yeah with the with some people who'd opened a new business in your local (gasps) area oh we
2: definitely go there yeah we'll definitely go there we'll recreate that scene as well yeah definitely yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) oh good Mm -mm. um so so that's coming soon um we we said mid-may didn't we uh did we okay. I can't remember the actual date but no. we, we you know it'll go back mm. <laughs> um, but if you want to support us on patreon, you will get access to that video of us uh Annabelle giving us a tour to snares brook
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as well as all the uh, other bits and pieces go to patreon.com stroke adrift if you enjoy listening to podcasts uh then it'd be just great if you also thought oh, i'm going to show show them my appreciation i go uh, you know uh I, they Help me pass this much time every week i'm gonna give him a couple of quid a month that is greatly appreciated mm. go to patreon.com stroke adrift and then the other thing we've got on the go on a similar vein is the the first ever adrift live show in hempton bridge mm. now i saw the venue in hempton bridge the trades club tweeted last few tickets remaining mm. what i don't know is Is if that's the thing that venues go and say when ticket sales are going poorly. And actually, it means nearly all the tickets are available. Oh,
2: have they not been in touch?
1: No. no. Well,
2: why would they need to? Just to say, can you can you drum up some publicity, please? <laughs> they might say that, and I think it's probably fine. But I imagine there are still a few left if, the, if we haven't sold out. Are we sold out, no? Well,
1: we've not sold out. If, they, if I think we know about it, if okay. we'd sold out. All right,
2: there's still some tickets left. Then amazing.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I have had messages, um, email and tweets from drifters who are coming of books, yep. B and B's and stuff, and yep. it's yep. so exciting. I'm so much looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Hebden Bridge is just great. We'll be there in the middle of their annual arts festival, um, which is is brilliant it's a brilliant town uh great location very beautiful if we get good weather you are in for such a treat if we don't then who cares we'll be indoors indoors yeah. and it's it's still um yeah still a beautiful part of the world
2: I'm excited about going there. I've never you can been. Wearing a
1: cagoule. Oh, I bet a lot yes. of drift uh, drift listeners have cagoules. Oh, I do. Yeah, me too. Mm. Um, so, uh, if you go to either my social media or Annabelle's social media, you will find a. Tell you what, we should do. We should put a link up on Facebook. Really, we've both tweeted it, and neither of us have put a link up on Facebook. Oh, right? okay. Well, let's. do I that was going to do it, but then I noticed you were flogging your book. So, I oh, sorry, I, sorry. She got a. a f- Job lot, haven't you?
2: Yeah, come on, come on. they were going to be pulped, <laughs> so I got I bought this job lot. And now, now I'm trying to shift them. <laughs> no, but actually, if anyone wants one, I'll, I'll do you a cheap offer.
1: Let's not muddy the mess. No, no, your I, tickets, so ignore yeah. me, ignore me.
2: <laughs> Back to the tickets. Yeah, now let's let's put it on tomorrow. Yeah, at
1: least you haven't started talking about units. Okay? I know, I know. Yeah.
2: I really like restrain myself there. Yeah. <laughs> i've got 18 units left i haven't really looked
1: did you have to take books so you like having had your experience of taking pencils to the post office are you mm-hmm. now doing the same with books no i
2: just put them in the post box
1: oh so it's more easily done yeah, yeah i do oh, it yeah, online okay, okay. Yeah. um Anyway, yeah, so go to our social media and uh, there are still a few tickets, mm. as I'm sure there will be every week until it <laughs> happens. Uh, to, and, and as I said, I really want Adrift listeners there. Yes. Because if local people come thinking, oh, I'm, I'm culturally engaged, I like to mm. go and see a thing, they'll just be like, oh, what is this? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so please, yeah, it'd be lovely to have a room full of drifters. No audience, but no compulsory audience participation. Nope, nope. We might take some questions, but there'll be, uh, you know, no, no, nothing more than that. You won't feel like you. We won't
2: uh, pick on you. No, no, absolutely not. No.
1: Um, so go either follow me or Annabelle on Twitter, or have a look at our Facebook and see if one of us remembers to put it up tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and
1: Annabelle Port. Here's the thing I wanted to mention for people listening to this this week and in the UK. Sarah is on Frankie Boyle's show on the TV this week.
2: Oh, is it on this week, is it? Yeah, oh, it's great.
1: Frankie Boyle's New World Order. It is great, but I'm also kind of annoyed. Why? Because she's been in America mm. and then uh, she's she's now been busy because she's doing this TV show this week, mm. and she isn't caught up on all the shows we're watching at all. So there's an episode of Line of Duty that I haven't seen. Oh, no, no. And, 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 and I'm waiting for her to catch up. Oh, how annoying. I know. It's really inconsiderate. Oh. And I do understand it. If you, you've been travelling, you've been busy, you haven't had time to watch a TV show, Mm-mm-mm. right? But there's, there's times in the last couple of days when I've walked in the room and I've seen her looking at her Instagram... She's misusing a friend. She's
2: misusing her time.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I think every spare minute she's got is she should be catching up on the shows that we're watching together because I have to hold off watching the most recent episode. Mm -hmm. And then I'm constantly trying to avoid spoilers on on, on social media. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. um, I, we're caught up on Game of Thrones, though. Oh, okay. I know you're not really. You you fell off that some time ago. Don't yeah, you? yeah. You know, it's reaching the end, though. Oh, is, it,
2: is this the last
1: series? Yeah, yeah. There's, oh, I is think it? There's four okay. more episodes left, and then it's all over. Oh, re-
2: just four left. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the White Walkers, the zombies, yeah, of, sort of buddies? So, yeah, so, yeah. so, what's about to happen hmm. is a big showdown. The, the, the people, you know, the, the people of Westeros in the the epic battle against the White Walkers that it's been building up to across eight series or whatever it's been since, uh, since episode one. Hmm. And the episode that was just aired this week, it's got them kind of all in the castle waiting for the battle to start. They're coming, mm. they're coming. So it's like very claustrophobic and atmospheric. So there's something about it that is just absolutely terrifying me. Oh, no, really? There's lots of, okay, we've got to get the women and the children in the crypt. Look, that, this guy's important. You better go in the crypt as well. The crypt is the safest place to be. Look, it's going to be this awful battle, but we'll just get get these people in the crypt and the, we know they're going to be fine. Why do they do that? You just know that it's not going to be fine in that crypt. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any time in a TV oh. show or a film where they're going on and on and on about how safe somewhere is, mm, mm, mm. that's where the massacre's going to happen, yeah, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, it sounds very tense. Yeah,
1: it is It is very tense. So uh, I've got that, to, got that to look forward to. We are mm. all caught up on that. I went to the pictures on my own the other day. And what did you see? I went to see a film called Wild Rose. Have you heard of it? No, what is it? it is uh is uh, set in Scotland and it's about um a Glaswegian a young Glaswegian woman when we meet her she's just been released from a spell in prison mm-hmm. and what we learn about her is ever since she's 14 all she's wanted to do is be a country singer and she's you know been the been the, 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 the house performer at this country club in Glasgow and it's about her trying to become a country singer oh, okay and Julie Walters is her mom oh I love her so that like, anything with her in it yeah it's almost always brilliant uh, and I've Very, very much enjoyed it, and I recommend it to drifters Uh, everywhere. Okay. Um, I went on my own. It was the day before my birthday, and Sarah and Jean still didn't come back from America, so I went on my own. About, I'd say, 6.30 in the evening on a Friday. Okay. Good Friday. Okay. How depressing do you think that is for other cinema goers? I think... To see a middle-aged man on his own. Friday (sighs) evening, bank holiday.
2: I actually think the Good Friday made me sort of breathe out a bit. I think a normal Friday, no. But I think Good Friday, for some reason, it's not really a going out night, is it? No,
1: but do you not think most people are sort of with their families? Hmm. I mean, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I just just couldn't figure out. And do you think this makes it more or less depressing? Mm -hmm. Had two scoops of ice cream.
2: Oh, it's a bit treat yourself, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, look at that middle-aged yeah. man! He's giving himself a little treat. He's a little He's lonely,
1: yeah. but he's taking the pain away no. with his two scoops of ice cream.
2: Was it? Did you just have ice cream? Was it anything? Be honest. Did you have anything else with it?
1: Do you mean did I have sprinkles? No,
2: no. I mean another food. No, 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 no. Okay, just, just ice cream. Then I think you're fine.
1: I'd like one of those industrial sized cups of fizzy pop okay right yeah 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 it's the cinema you know you feel like what if i get dehydrated in there i need to drink from a bucket i'm
2: I'm only here for an hour and a half like an easy go an hour and a half of my everyday life without a single drop But, but i better take a bucket with me yeah
1: oh the other thing i was going to mention very briefly here is um there's this podcast i listen to called i am the egg pod can you guess what it's about Oh, it's about the Beatles. It's about the Beatles, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they get people, you know, they get a person on to talk about a Beatles album. So Ian Lee was on it a while ago, our friend, and uh, the writer David Quantick was on a while. Ago. You know, so it's a different, mm. you know, different people. Anyway, they they asked me to be on it. The guy who runs it Good. Chris, asked me to okay. be on it, and he said uh, uh, you, you need to pick an album. But here's the problem: a lot of them have gone now because we've done mm. a few episodes already. Mm. So I thought, here's what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick anthology two the anthology cds came out in the 90s and what they were, were sort of live versions outtakes early studio takes instrumentals really nerdy beatles stuff mm-hmm. uh, and i thought i'll pick one of those because nobody else will have done it yet and they hadn't mm-hmm. he said oh ugh, the thing is about that is it's a double disc so it's 40 it's odd tracks he said we might have to make it a double episode i said I'll be fine because, you know, I love the Beatles and they're my great passion in life. But I'm not really... I know this is what I do for a living, but I'm not a big talker in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I don't ramble on and on and on. So I think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll get it all over and done with. Anyway, uh, it has ended up being a two-parter, right? and the first part's come out and it's nearly two hours long. So. <laughs> I
2: think you misjudged
1: yourself a little bit. Yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, usually if I'm interviewed on another podcast, I'll come on here and say, oh, I embarrass myself. You don't want to listen to it. Mm. I, th- I think it was genuinely the only interview I've ever done where I didn't feel self-conscious and I just enjoyed talking.
2: Was it because you weren't talking about yourself? So, yeah, I was yeah. talking about the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so anyway, I wanted to give this podcast a plug because it's ever so good and I really enjoyed doing it. And Chris, who is the host, is, is like super nice and super knowledgeable. So it's called I Am The Egg Pod. And um, it is one of the few things where I, th- I can confidently say, oh, have a listen to my episode. Okay. I, think, I think you might enjoy it.
0: When you stop thinking, your mind begins to start loving adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Oh,
1: touch it, touch it. All right, let's get into it then. Let's issue some decrees here in Problem Attic, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic. Uh, got a couple of these this week, haven't we? Yep, yep, yep. Who's, yep. who's the first one First from? one is
2: from the Wise Regent. Now, th- last week or the week before, you said... Did we ever call it Rules for Fools? And I said, no, don't be so silly. Well, she says, it was me that suggested Rules for Fools a long time ago. You guys read that out on an early episode. Sorry, Annabelle, if I'm making you feel bad about your memory, you are. But we all thought it was not right to imply that drifters are fools, even if some of us might quite happily call ourselves that. So it scum. was suggested. Scum yeah, scum and Rules for Fools. <laughs> there we go, my great memory. Anyway, on to her dilemma. Here's my dilemma. I've been learning the guitar and ukulele on an app that also has a dedicated Facebook group where I'm quite active and have interacted with some cool people there. The group has a strict stay on topic policy. Talk about music is de rigueur, but it's frowned upon to talk about politics, religion, etc. This has kept activity in the group mostly pleasant. Recently, a few of the group's members have sent me friend requests. I have not accepted any of them yet because I'm afraid that if I do, we might learn things about each other we Mm -hmm. might not rather not know. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have some views that are offensive to me or vice versa. I don't want to ruin our strictly limited to the Facebook group friendship by, gasp, learning more about each other. (laughs) In contrast, none of the people in the Drifters' official Facebook group have ever tried to friend me, nor I them. Good people. (laughs) On the other hand, some of these potential friends have dogs and cats and I love me some dogs and cats. But if I accept one new friend from the group, I'd feel bad not accepting the other ones. What do you think?
1: I think you've got to stick with your existing policy.
2: Do you think it offends people when you don't agree to their friend requests?
1: Well, I think if you decline them, it might. But I just have all these ones that I just don't...
2: They just sit there. So if if you decline them they they get a message saying you've been declined. Yes, or oh. or, or
1: it will say add friend. Oh, whereas uh, yeah, <laughs> whereas just, if somebody tries to like add this. you, yeah. they might just think, oh, he's not looked at his friend request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I'd, I find it so do- so I've got a Facebook account that mm. anybody can add me on. If you're listening to this and you want to add me, uh, just search my name and you'll you'll find a black and white picture of me. Mm-hmm. Um. I've got another one, mm-hmm. which is more hidden. You'd struggle to find it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I try and limit it to people I've met and know in real life mm-hmm. because it'll have, it's got pictures of Eugene on it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very, you. You're almost completely inactive on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I might post two or three things a year. Yeah. Um, uh, and I try and have that one just for people. And, and even then it gets tricky because maybe there's somebody I've met at a radio industry function once mm. or somebody I worked with for a week in 1996, Mm-mm. and I feel like I have to accept the request. Mm. But really then I'm feeling, not because people are creepy, but just because of, I don't know, it's privacy, isn't it? It's yeah, privacy yeah. Um, and, and Jean's privacy especially. Like I don't put pictures of him on Twitter or... Instagram or anywhere. Uh, but I don't want people to think I'm I'm grand, you know, that I'm walking around thinking that I'm grand or lofty, mm, mm. declining Facebook. So so I have this one for everybody, mm. and it's a bit inane because it just used to regurgitate my Twitter, and now I just use it if I'm doing a radio show and I want people to join in or, you know, I've got something to plug. Um, it is... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird. No,
2: I think you do know. I think it's the ultimate drifter thing to do. Yeah. It's just pretend it never happened. Pretend they never accepted it. Just let it sit there yeah. till the end of time. Yes,
1: yes. That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: definitely the way to do it. Okay, good. That's sorted out easily. Let's move on to Laura. She says, I recently went to our local butchers and placed an order that totaled just under £50, expensive because it included a beef fillet. I engaged in topical small talk about the beef wellington we were making for visitors, tapped my card on contactless reader, said goodbye and thought no more of it. It wasn't until a week or so later when we were checking over and topping up the joint bank account we used for all things household when I noticed that that particularly big butcher's bill wasn't on the statement. Of course not. Contactless payments don't work for payments over £30. I've effectively stolen a one2 kilogram beef fillet. (laughs) I don't think the blame lies entirely with me as it wasn't like I tapped the card and ran. The machine was placed on the top of the counter. He saw me tap my card, took the machine back and we both exchanged farewells. I guess it never occurred to him either that I would have needed to use chip and pin. Although likely he realised much sooner than I did. I had already been back to the shop for a usual much smaller order before we realised the mistake, which is good because otherwise I don't think I would have been able to go back without glowing red. I guess it was up to them as the wronged party to raise it if they wanted to. It still makes me anxious to think that they might think I did it on purpose, but I'm leaning towards just pretending it never happened as it would be difficult to bring up now weeks later. Would you agree? Any general rules for cases of accidental theft like this?
1: I think if you can afford it, you will only look like the greatest person alive if you go back in and explain what happened. Oh, They will think, that Mm. is an amazing person. Weeks later, they were checking their bank accounts Mm. and they didn't want me to. uh, Honestly, I mean, I'm not a meat eater and it it turns my stomach a little bit, but you'll get free sausages for life or something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so actually you could recoup that money easily, like 10 times over.
1: I mean the downside so so I'm just thinking about the hero's welcome you'll get every time mm. you go in that butcher's shop. that being said, I mean that could mean you end up having to have more small talk every time you go in the butcher's shop, yeah so there's a reason not to say anything and
2: they'll and they'll feel I think of them as well, they'll feel obliged to kind of give you this great small talk all the time, mm. which is tricky Ah, uh, it It's very difficult because you say that you'll get this here is welcome on the few occasions where I thought I'm going to do the right thing here and like, you know, say, give money back to them. And I've done it. They've looked at me like, oh, that's a bit weird that you did that. And I've just felt like a weirdo Mm. because they feel like, oh, you could have got away with that. That's a bit weird.
1: There's a, the woman who works in our local shop, Five Sapphires. <laughs> I love the name of the <laughs> shop. I just really like saying the name of the shop. What is it? So,
2: like a jeweler's shop? No, it's the newsagent. Oh, the news There little across five the street. Five Sapphires.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Why is it called I Five Sapphires? I don't know, but I like it. Um, the, uh, it's, it's, there's three people who work in there. There's a, there's a, a man who doesn't appear to be related to the to the you know, the the lead players who are mm-hmm. a husband and wife. And it's rarely the husband and the wife, it's usually one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um and the other week I was in there and it was some situation where I didn't have that much change, and it would have meant breaking into a £20 note for not very much money. So the the woman let me off 5p. Okay. And I said, I'll I'll make sure I pay the next I'll give it the next time I'm in, because mm-hmm. I want them to know what an honest guy I am. Yeah. Next time I was in, it was her husband Mm -hmm. and I had to say to him, oh, just so you know, I owe your wife 5p, so I'm just giving it to you now. Mm -hmm. And it constantly bugs me and I'm I'm worrying, did he tell his wife that I made good on the 5p or not?
2: To the extent where you think you will ask her eventually. Did, do you, you know, you know, don't well, you? That no, then I, then I gave I that. On holiday, I
1: went on holiday for two weeks, or, or I was working in Manchester. Yeah. So, so it's at this point, three weeks ago, I haven't seen her oh. since. It, do you, I think there is a point after yes. which it gets weird to say. <laughs> oh, do you remember that? Uh, that <laughs> five <laughs> I <five piece? laughs> I want you to know. <laughs> I, gave, I did give it to your husband. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm. So, what, what, what's our decision on this then?
1: Have
2: you, it, I d- I d- it's this is a very tricky one. Because I'm very much leaving, to, leaning towards just
1: leave it now. Mm, I do like it. I mean, this is—I I think this is where I'm constantly tying myself in knots and tripping myself up. I, I think I always want people in shops and restaurants or whatever to think, "What a lovely customer! <laughs> what a great guy he is." Mm-hmm. Whereas if I just went, I thought, if I just if I just thought to myself, "I'm going to leave no impression. I'm going to try and <laughs> have the the same attitude." Towards interacting with people in shops and cafes as environmentalists think we should have on the earth, <laughs> which I also, you know, agree with. Let's, let's leave it in the state I found it in. You know, if I was like that in my interactions, I want to leave no impression, I want to be not memorable at all, then I would never get into these situations mm. that are inevitably the topics of conversation on a drift. So maybe on this, I'm going to listen to you and say, OK, don't say anything.
2: OK, then that is the rule.
1: If you have a quandary that you would like uh, the rule for you know, to know how to behave, we can just give you the template and off you go. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes uh, as long as you will give us a five-star review. Mm, Yes. Don't
2: bother otherwise. Yeah, no. No.
1: Save your time. You've got things you need to be doing. We're all busy these Mm, days with the cooking and the cleaning and whatnot. Um, But, uh, um, yeah, thank you for downloading. And also thank you for bearing with us in recent weeks while the podcasts have sometimes been a bit shorter and not had the incident in them. I've been travelling and so on. But we just figured it was better to make sure you still had a podcast every week. Um, even if it is a substandard one.
2: Better than nothing is what we think. That's right. Better than nothing. That
1: is our attitude. Yeah. I mean I say substandard, I mean sub substandard. (laughs) Our usual standard is substandard. But uh thank you. Thanks to Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox. Uh, who are uh, our announcers and made our little eye dents and the backing music of course came from Man and the Echo and um, Emily Harris uh, made, made the um, Harrison, Harrison. Mm. that's weird isn't yeah, it, it I said that we mm. were episode 84 mm. and I just decided to drop the on mm. off Harrison
2: should be Emily Ha
1: next week <laughs> Yeah, <Yeehaw. laughs> um, yeah Emily Harrison why did I do that I that was know. bizarre wasn't mm. it um, it's because I've done it all in the wrong order. Uh, okay. So my brain is trying to think, okay, try, try and uh, uh, put it back in the order. So we should be back on track if I say Patrick Gunning and Iwanababu plugged it all in for us and Carla Gallup took the photos and then the artwork was designed by Kim Rainey. There we go. <laughs> We're all done. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, if you, if you could just drop me anywhere here, that'd be great. <laughs> Adrift. Podication time. Let's have a looky here then. Let's have a looky. Let's click on my email. I click on the email from Annabelle with the podication in it. Oh, it's a document this week. It's often just a cut and paste, Yeah, Yeah, I did a do- word doc for you. Is it just one? Just one, yeah. Okay. It is, uh, it's a long one though, isn't
2: it? I'd say it is fairly long. Okay,
1: hmm. here it goes. Uh, it comes from Nick. Nick Caten or Caton? It's up it's to Katen. you, your choice. I'm going to go Caten. Okay. Who says, uh, "Hello, Annabelle and Jeff." Hello, hello. He also adds, "Don't swap the order, Jeff." And you didn't. I didn't know. Um, I have listened to you guys for many years since before the glap. Before glap came together, <laughs> unless app stands for and Pete. Oh, Pete. Mm. Um, and you have kept a small smile on my face on various motorway journeys, and for that, I am very grateful. This is my first email to you, although I have had a shout-out on your radio show thanks to an ex-girlfriend. From memory, it was five years ago on Jeff's Sunday show as I was turning 30 the day after Jeff turned 40. I remember you proclaiming my birthday was uh, better as I share it with the Queen and Iggy Pop, whereas Jeff shares his with Hitler. (laughs) Uh, as I felt very awkward about being made to feel better than literally, uh, sorry, as I feel very awkward about being made to feel better than literally anyone else, even Hitler, <laughs> I need to point out that George Takai also shares your birthday and he's cooler than the Queen, so be proud of that. I'll tell you who else I realised this year that I saw on Twitter that I never realised is uh, Leslie Phillips. Oh, who used to be the announcer on yeah, The Jeff Show. He was that? a lovely man. Yeah, he really is a lovely. lovely. Man, yeah. man, Yeah, I think he's 95, wow, maybe. Yeah. Amazing. Um, that's that's a great thing that he was our announcer yeah, that's a wasn't really it? wonderful thing I mm. used to love having him say my name every night mm. um, I'm afraid to say I got behind on your podcast so I'm trying to catch up quickly I've actually paused episode 71 to write this as your story about being a best man and the speech not going very well stirred a memory which I would like to share with my fellow drifters on, I've just closed the email by mistake <laughs> Where's it gone? I don't know. Here it is. Coming back. Here we go. I think it was something in my body. uh, It was like some kind of muscle memory. Yeah. I tensed up at the thought of a best man's speech. You flinched and and, it closed the email. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was exactly that. Yeah. Um, Here we go. To this day... Whenever I remember this story, I have to make noises, sing, or turn the radio up to drown out the inner monologue in an attempt to push it as far down as I can in the hope it will not one day haunt me. Sorry, in the hope it will one day not haunt me. Mm. God, I mean, mine is already haunting me just Mm, sort of hearing you talk about yours. Um, Here we go. It was my best friend's wedding, and I was best man. I was so honoured... To have been asked, I wanted to make sure the speech was funny, sincere, and didn't overstep any unwritten boundaries that these occasions have. It was also an outside reception, so a marquee was set up, and tables and chairs were directly on the ground, meaning there was some instability in certain areas. I'll admit things didn't start well, as I am very last minute with a lot of things, to the point that I wrote about 60% of the speech on the morning of the actual wedding. This is, I mean, it's, it's all the same. It's like <laughs> the same person here. Uh, I also got flustered, and then uh, when I perhaps over-complimented my friend's family, basically saying I preferred them to my own, which was met by a raucous laugh, which I didn't intend. The real killer moment, almost literally, was when I went to finish with the toast and realised I'd left my champagne glass on the table. They had a and microphone set up for the speeches, so I had to quickly scuttle back to my seat to get it. On grabbing the glass swinging around and quickly trying to get back to my podium, I inadvertently knocked a seat, and the uneven ground meant the gent occupying the seat started to topple backwards. It was at this point, I realised that this was my friend's grandfather, a man easily in his 80s, perhaps more... uh, I, along with... 200 other guests looked in horror as this man teetered on the edge like some cartoon character for what seemed like about an hour before gravity finally showed its dominance and he plummeted to the ground. I then had to apologetically help him to his feet, apologise 28 times to him, my friend, his daughter and the uh, 197 other guests oh before finishing off my speech. Oh. I had a joke I was going to end on, but I felt I couldn't be there any longer. So <laughs> cheers to the happy couple. Sloped back to my seat and drank a lot of the table wine. Just to make things worse, I'm sat at the top table, so I couldn't hide, and Grandpa was sat about three metres from me. I had to catch it, keep checking he was okay. That made my anxiety much worse. Oh, you poor thing. That sounds awful. It does sound awful. I'm so sorry. He adds, if I may, and if I may be, uh, if I may be so bold, I'd like to humbly request a podication as close to my own birthday, twenty first of April, as you can practically make it. And I'd like it for my wonderful girlfriend Olivia, who unbelievably I have recently converted into a drifter. I know I should probably request it on her birthday, but that's ages away, and the courage I have mustered to send this request will no doubt have disappeared by then. I have also uh I also have literally just started my Patreon contributions. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And so I'm riding this wave of feeling like a genuine drifter. Olivia and I live far from each other. Me in Cheltenham and her in Crouch End, London. Oh, that's quite similar um to me and you, but you still come over to do the podcast. <laughs> I also live in London. Wish. Um <laughs> Which is a major factor in her listening to your podcast after your reference to Alan Partridge proclaiming that you could slap anyone from Crouch End or Stokey in the face and be assured that they probably deserved it. We go to Crouch End every um, every Saturday morning. We take Jean to the pictures there. And, uh, I mean, it is just like leaving this neighbourhood to go to an almost identical one 20 minutes away. Mm. They're very similar, these two neighbourhoods, I Mm. think. I like, like them both a lot. Um, do you know what you can get a good coffee mm. this, is the, this is the thing about these neighbourhoods now in your neighbourhood mm-hmm. you can't get a good coffee my one? yeah you're kidding you haven't got there isn't a coffee shop I mean you could use your own coffee machine
2: oh I see you mean in Snaresbrook <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah, you would have to go to state, I agree
1: <laughs> Because there isn't a shop in Snaresbrook, yeah. But what about that? Is it, a, is it um, a Miller's Kitchen or something? Huh? Harvester or one of those things? Oh, Toby Carvery. Toby Carvery.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you could probably get coffee there. Yeah, no, it's What's a good, about? good coffee, I suppose, right,
1: well, right. isn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, despite the distance, we try to see each other as much as possible... And I simply want to let her know that I love and care for her a lot and encourage her to speed up with the backlog of episodes so we can listen to the podcast together and share more inside jokes. She isn't a natural drifter due to her confidence and natural ability to be funny and interesting in social situations. See, we're very similar people. I I have a wife like that as well. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I'm jumping the gun here. I know you're not at the marriage stage. Mm -hmm in this long distance to Crouch End relationship It's a bit awkward so, you brought it up to be honest Well I I'm on. trying to dig myself <laughs> out of the hole here Maybe I could be the best man Oh <laughs> uh, But I guarantee she has some very good stories you could use uh, If I was to guess I say she'd choose the blurting category Oh I'd like to hear those Thanks in advance Keep up the work uh, So there we go Olivia Thank you for joining Nick in in listening to this uh, I think it speaks very well of, I think, you know, it speaks very well of anybody if they listen to this. Mm, they yeah. tolerate this. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got a good feeling about that. You know, it's Cilla Black on Blind Date would always go on about <laughs> it. wanting there to be a Blind Date wedding oh, so she nice. could go along in a house.
2: leave it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Stop it now. All
1: right. Uh, if you'd like a email hello at adriftpodcast.com.
0: Planning for your next trip?